to the Podcast Spotlight, the offshoot series of the Economical Rice Podcast designed for podcast fans and brought to you by podcast fans. I'm your host, Danny, and today's special guest is freelance author and fellow local podcaster from the show, Some Scuffs, Devel Lee. Devel, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So before we uh, get into anything, right, I just want to clear the sort of uh, elephant in the room in my eyes, right? So you've listened to the first episode of this series, right? <laughs> yes, I have. And so you would have, uh, you would have come across John mentioning how you have, how, how he thinks you have a really soothing voice. <sighs> I have not let that go. Okay? And I refuse <laughs> to let it go. Like, and now every time I interact with him, every time I see him, I just bring it out. I'm like, oh, am I putting you to sleep? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and yeah that, that, that was that was what i want to i wanted to allude to because this thing is like an ongoing saga because in your next in your next nobody cares which is the one about asmr you you brought that up which was uh, the first time john ever mentioned that to you he said that he, he was put to sleep by, by, he by, said, by your... no he said he was put to sleep twice <laughs> okay <laughs> And I was, I didn't know what to say. I was just, oh, um, should I, should I work on myself more? <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, in all honesty, I, I thought it was really nice that you guys talked about it. And like, I, I mean, seriously, it's, it's awesome that you guys are actually listening to the stuff that I put out. Cause sometimes it really does feel like, you know, you're just talking to a void and you don't really know who's out there. So yeah. Yeah. So if I'm putting a bunch of people to sleep, that that's fine too. You know? All right. So, so then your most recent offering <laughs> is an ASMR reading of Lee Sian Long's Facebook post. Can you, can you kind of talk through what was your thought process there? <laughs> so after I did the episode with Ethan, my brother, yeah. um, we actually got to talking about, yeah, like what kind of ASMR I would be good at producing <laughs> if I were to produce it. So I actually did have a good think about, you know, some of the things that are more, um, I guess, locally flavored. You came up with these <laughs> Facebook posts? I was like, you know, what is everybody familiar with? What's, you know, vanilla enough that like everybody will be able to tolerate? So it can't be something like religious. It can't be something like exciting. Oh and my God. Kim Lee has a lot of nice Facebook posts. I mean, if you want to think about the most like the cleanest kind of text, you're going to find it on PM Lee's Facebook page. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so I got I got curious, right? Talking about the soothing voice and everything. So was this the main reason why you got into podcasting in the first place? Um, I guess I always thought that like audio and like the voice was a really powerful way of connecting with people, and mm. I think, I mean, I I don't have a very like nice face so i think like my voice is still pretty acceptable it's pretty tolerable <laughs> so i i figured yeah you know why not use that as an asset and and i mean i've you know my podcast is all about social anxiety so mm. appearing in front of a camera has always been something that was too daunting for me to ever uh, want to experiment with but on the other hand like audio gives me so much space to express myself without 
really having to move in front of the camera so much. Mm. So I think that really intrigued me a lot because um, as you mentioned earlier, I am a writer. So I'm used to expressing myself in text. But um, given the way that the media is moving these days, it's, I guess, um, harder to reach people with long-form content mm. through a text-based medium. So, yeah, the alternative is either video or some sort of multimedia content. And that's why, like, I came upon podcasting and it just worked so well because it appeals to me uh, personally. And, mm, yeah. yeah. So, so then to, to expand on that, right? So you were a writer beforehand, before you got into, you know, f- listening to podcast shows or finding more about different podcast shows, right? Yes. So I'm still actually writing, but right now I'm doing that freelance. So mm. um, I was a writer at a big publishing company in Singapore. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was there for two years. Um, I was writing features for mm. a women's magazine. And that was really fun because I got to meet a lot of people, got to do a lot of interviews you know Mm. um really get out of my comfort zone a lot because um I wasn't used to I guess putting myself out there so much but Mm. then as a journalist as a writer you kind of have to force your way into other people's lives yeah so that was a very interesting experience for me for me and um I learned a lot from that and I'm still applying a lot of the things I learned Mm. in the way that I conduct my interviews now for Mm. my Serious. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Can you can tell that you're not some uh, amateur journalist? You definitely have some experience there from from your episode. Very limited experience, <laughs> but <laughs> I try. I mean, I mean, given given this the the size of the the scene in Singapore, you know, having an actual journalist do like journalistic stuff on on a podcast, I, I'd say that's uh, heading somewhere. I think it's fun that we've all got different backgrounds. I mean. Yeah, uh, you talked to Josiah about his film background, yeah. and then I mean, you've got like the angry, triggered men, John. <laughs> 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 you know, we've got a whole like range of characters, and I think it's really nice. So, yeah. I mean, one journalist in the mix, I guess, yeah, it makes um, for a little bit of legitimacy <laughs> on the the reporting aspect. But I think everybody does a great job in their own like little niches. That is so diplomatic of you to say. No, it's just true. Like honestly. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So was uh was that writing job your first job out of university? It was actually. It was. So I studied psychology in university and like I really was really interested in people, I think because I was so bad at people, right? <laughs> so okay. Like, um, yeah, I found cultural psychology really, really fascinating. And I actually wanted to go much deeper into it. And um, as I was doing my senior thesis, um, I, I spoke to a lot of people, spoke to PhD students, spoke to like professors. And I realized mm-hmm. that if I really wanted to understand the culture, then I had to get into the media industry because they're like, I mean, even if you say they don't exactly create the culture they definitely perpetuate it Mm. so in order to understand what that actually means then you have to kind of get into the system and be a cog in it and then yeah yeah and and you're gonna go out and talk to people find out their views and perspectives and stuff like that totally totally and i mean that's where i ended up yeah that's 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 uh really interesting because you know from what you just said it's it sounds like it really rubs off on on your show, uh, some scuffs. Now, the the great thing that I find about that show is that 
I find it very organic in a sense that the stories you produce and the shows you you and and it's sort of the episodes and the, the the kind of topics that you talk about they are like stories that you personally care about and you want to go explore and this is what you produce as content. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, every single piece that I do comes from a very personal space, but at the same time I want to choose topics that I think other people will identify with as well, you know. So mm. Um, I try to get out of my head sometimes because I know not everybody is new is as neurotic as I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have to check myself and be like, do people really like stress out about this, or is it just me? And the nice thing uh, that I've found is that there are actually a lot of people who stress out over the stupid things that I do. So, <laughs> in the process, I feel a bit better about myself. So, so on that basis, right? What would you say is the perhaps the most most uh difficult topic to talk about or or say maybe controversial or or maybe the one that surprised you the most um okay i think that one would probably be one of the more recent episodes i did which mm. was about how um to deal with the hookup culture in singapore as mm. somebody who is socially anxious so i think what was interesting to me was that um it i i found that it actually resonated with um some of my male friends which i thought was quite interesting because um i guess to hear from like a female perspective was mm. interesting to them and to also say that yeah you know some of these issues are real and i think the way that um uh, my interviews and um i guess i also kind of treated it with a little bit more candor mm. than we necessarily would in singaporean culture because it's a tricky topic right to talk about it is it yeah. is and i think um people would assume that somebody who has social anxiety would mm. just not engage in this kind of um behavior at all but i think it's much more nuanced and much more complex than that because mm. yeah we're we're often battling like our own um internal sort of like demons that yeah. are telling us you know we we have to behave a certain certain way we have to you know live up to that culture be it you know whether or not you expect yourself to be hooking up all the time or not yeah. at all so yeah so that was very interesting to me and i think it was encouraging to see that like i was getting listeners from like the opposite sex as well who were hmm. chipping in to like you know tell me what they thought hmm look at you doing a public service talking about the things that no one wants to talk about <laughs> <laughs> no that's nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> So then, um, let's uh, get into the uh, first podcast of uh, of today's show. Then, which is uh, something you have uh, introduced here, which is Reply All, a show by Gimlet Media, and the episode in question is Zardulu. But before we get into the Zardulu episode in in uh, in question, can we just can you just basically describe like what Reply All, what kind of a show Reply All is? So Reply All is 
Um, so it's hosted by these two guys, Alex Goldman and PJ Vogue. So yeah. PJ Vogue has been in radio for like forever. He's done a lot of like the big um, American shows. And um, Alex Goldman is more of a techie kind of guy. But I think he's also been in radio for quite a while. So they're very comfortable in front of the mics. And mm. that's why you've got this really like easy sort of banter between them. So mm-hmm. um, they talk about all things related to internet culture. And as I mentioned earlier, like I think culture is really fascinating. And um, this particular show explores a lot about how um, culture is created and transmitted via mm. the internet. Mm. So they explain memes, like um, you've got uh, an episode where they talked about the origin of Pepe. <laughs> and then they, they talk about the most random things, like um, how they met an Instagram famous dog, or like they investigate <laughs> random like internet scams. You know, there was this once that they actually managed to trace somebody's lost bitcoins so no really yeah yeah it's amazing it's and um i think the great thing is also that um the content is very accessible right yeah. so they don't try to throw in too much technical jargon but mm-hmm. at the same time they're really smart so you know you don't feel like they're being condescending or like they're trying mm. to like mansplain things to you so <laughs> like i really love the podcast like every single episode is just so interesting because yeah. they do deep dive stories so it's not just touch and go they don't just like search it out on the internet they'll actually like talk to experts they'll hunt people down you know they'll get like actual like um i don't know like private investigators on the internet to help them like track these things down so they they do their homework yeah yeah definitely yeah I, i've listened to some of the shows and it's really does does a good job of like looking into the weirder aspects or the more untouched aspects of internet culture but can I can I just mention two things right off off the bat about this show? What what was one of the hosts' name? Is uh, PJ? Is it? Yeah, PJ Folk. That guy has the most audibly pleasant giggle or laugh. <laughs> I know I've, it's so cute. That it I've is ever so heard. Funny. <laughs> it's I like, think. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, you know some, how some people have like a like a high-pitched giggle and how some people have like a hearty laugh, a deep laugh. This guy has just like the most pitch-perfect <laughs> laugh. I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it in a song clip. <laughs> right, Please right do. It is so adorable. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's most audibly pleasant giggle. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ah! I think I read in an interview he did once where yeah. he just said that his voice is not meant for radio and he's got a really annoying laugh. And I was <laughs> like, no, that's not true. And it's so, it's unforgettable is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I, once I listened to it, I, I just couldn't put it out of my mind. Like, how does this guy have a laugh like that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we need, right? We don't need signature music. We just need like a signature <laughs> just, laugh. Just need a signature laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So anyway, the the second point about the show is that after listening to a few episodes, right, how I saw Reply All was a sort of blend between the two shows that you kind of do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've got the sort of uh, casual banter between like two co-hosts, like like the things you do on Nobody Cares, and then you have the the really obscure topics that they that they talk about, like you do on Nobody Cares. But then they also do like the deep, deep dive, this uh, sort of uh, gen- journalism and, and stuff like that, which is, uh, which forms the bulk of the episode, which th- that one will be more, more true to your original, sh- uh, uh, to your, to your main show. Now. I think I, 
I uh, really appreciated the obscurity of some of the stuff they, <laughs> they bring up, which is, yeah, definitely something that I model after when it comes to nobody cares. Yeah. Um, as for the journalistic aspects, I can only aspire to be anything like them. <laughs> I mean, the kind of effort that they, I think they invest like months, sometimes yes. even like a whole year to put together a story. And that's like, I mean, it's really hard work. And yes. I think it helps that they've got good connections in the industry and like, but I mean, still kudos to them for just amazing, amazing investigative journalism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that that is the goal, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> there's only so much funding that we have, <laughs> right? So yeah, I would definitely like to do stuff like them eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all right. It's a, Working with the means within what we have, it's a it's a process, lah. They 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 didn't they didn't get there immediately. They also had to work their weight up. They have to they also have to do their grind working in various industries and shows. But you know who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I know you're dying to talk about this episode, right? I am. So, oh my god. So Zadulu, uh, what can you tell us about this? <laughs> okay, first of all. Do you remember Pizza Rat? No, actually, actually, actually when I listened to the episode, I wasn't familiar with that at all. Really? Okay. No, really. Okay, so so Pizza Rat happened in I think September of 2015. Mm-hmm. Basically, you have this guy who's like um wandering around a subway station in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. And he sees this little rat that's pulling a piece of like an entire slice of pizza down the stairs Mm -hmm. at the subway and he obviously being like millennial (laughs) whips out his phone and he's like i need to film this right and so within like hours within a day within yeah a very short period of time that video went like super viral Mm. and it was shared all over you know it was one of those fluff pieces that they have on cable news and of course it got like on the internet when like everyone went crazy over it and they were just like oh look at this rat (laughs) carrying pizza funniest thing in the universe (laughs) i don't i i don't understand americans i don't pretend uh, like like the 15 minutes of fame kind of thing yeah yeah Yeah. more like 10 seconds of it seconds So, Pizza Rat happened, and then in November of that same year, Mm -hmm. Selfie Rat appeared. Okay. Okay, so the story of Selfie Rat is apparently, according to like the first news articles that broke, was that there was this man who was sleeping at a subway station again, Mm -hmm. but this time he's, okay, he's on the platform, and apparently he finds a rat that crawls onto him. Mm-hmm. And then proceeds to take a selfie on his phone. Okay. And this sounds completely implausible, right? But <laughs> so so the selfie gets published on the internet and then it reaches, you know, again, the whole cable news cycle and everybody on the internet is talking about it. Right. There's even like this behind the scenes footage of like the rat crawling on him, which is apparently <laughs> taken by somebody on the platform who witnessed this happening and you know just happened to take a photo of that. You know, he's like, Oh look, this guy has this rat on him while he's sleeping. So so right. that was that's the background, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So the guy sleeping on the platform was a man named Eric Yearwood. Eric, mm-hmm. Eric Yearwood. Yep, that's right. And so 
he turns out to be a struggling improv actor. Yep. And like in the episode, uh, I think it was either Alex or PJ. I can't remember which one of them. But basically, he gets in touch with Eric mm-hmm. because Eric comes out and says, oh, actually, I received like a mysterious offer to create like a viral rat video for $200. So this is where things get weird, right? This is where things get super weird. <laughs> so yeah. Already the hosts are like, okay, yeah, this is a really like unbelievable video that comes out like two months mm-hmm. after Pizza Rat happens, right? So right. it just seems like there's too many rat videos. Like how many smart rats are they? Are they all the same rat? You know, like what what, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> so already it's like, okay, so now you're telling me that it was a staged video. First of all, <laughs> how is that possible, right? Because mm-hmm. like it's a rat. So Eric starts to tell them, okay, actually, like this offer was from um this lady who calls herself Zadulu. Okay. Okay, Zadulu is like just one name. There's no last name, no nothing. Like mm-hmm. not much like identifying descriptors about her. Apparently, like she wears those like African robes and <laughs> <laughs> like weird costumes and stuff. But right. yeah, she's just a strange like performance artist kind of character. So she invites Eric to her studio. Mm-hmm. And in her studio, she's got like an army of like trained rats. So they can do tricks for her and they run through mazes and she's got like lots of costumes and like basically um, it seems as though she has a lot of equipment that allows her to pull like all sorts of stunts to kind of fabricate paranormal activity, I guess. (laughs) So this particular rat that she used in the selfie rat video was apparently trained with peanut butter. (laughs) What they did was they got peanut butter and they stuck it to like the button where you take the picture on the iPhone. Mm -hmm. And they just left it on this Eric guy's belly. (laughs) And they waited for the rat, who was already, of course, trained to know where to step. And he just licks the peanut butter and takes the photo. (laughs) Was was this the point where you thought that this has to be bullshit or this has to be some crazy story or something? This this can be true or whatever. The whole time I was... (laughs) way no no because i i'd heard of pizza rat but i hadn't heard of selfie rat so at this point i was just like no this this couldn't have happened you know right and it couldn't have gone viral and then like after i listened to the episode and i googled it and like i really saw how there was so much news coverage about it and how everybody was just saying that this has to be fake you know like (laughs) how did this happen like you know there was so much like debate about it and then you realize that there's this one lady who's been scheming all along to like make you talk about this video right and it just blows your mind like so so what i was gonna say was that um the other guy who was the bystander who took the photo of selfie rat in action Mm. he was another actor so he was hired by zadulu as well to act as a bystander and then act like really shocked that this was happening just to create the hype around it right (laughs) so it was It was crazy because after that, um, the hosts of Reply All were just like, okay, so was it just this one video or is Zadulu actually responsible for Pizza Rat as well, <laughs> right? Because think about it, like she's got a whole army of rats that yeah. are trained to do her bidding. She could have trained that one and she could have trained like all subsequent like random rats. Like, for example, there was another rat that apparently like stole 
pita bread or something or <laughs> yeah bread or I, I don't know like i can't remember the details but yeah like it could just be a massive scam and like she's just doing it to mess with everybody's minds right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at, at that point, this is where the, the tinfoil hat comes on, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're like suspicious of everyone. You're like, okay, so is this homeless guy really a homeless guy? <laughs> yeah. Is it just another actor? Yeah. And I love how like paranoid the hosts get because they start to question as well, right? Yeah, and, and it's so infectious, their paranoia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean no, normally we think of, you know, all these uh, conspiracy theorists. We normally think them in a sort of negative light. This yeah. one, because of the, the nature of what the conspiracy actually is, I guess it's a little bit goofy. <laughs> or it's, it's sort of, sort of wacky. And one of the parts that I love about this, about this particular episode, right, was that they interviewed the girl who took the video of, you know you're talking about Pita Red, right? That came yeah. out after both Selfie Red and Pita Red. So then they interviewed the girl who took the video of Pita Red, which was actually, was it like two rats bringing up like a piece of Pita Bread up, up the yeah, flight of stairs? Yeah, I think they were friends and they were trying to carry it up. <laughs> yeah. So when they first contacted the girl and then they, they told her, no, there actually might be a mastermind behind the whole thing. She was like so adamant at first. Yes. She was like, no way. This is just, you know, rats doing their thing. You know, it's the New York spirit, right? People hustling, getting their food and stuff like that. It's like when you're the person witnessing it, you don't want to be told that it's a lie, right? I mean, mm. I just saw something so extraordinary. Yeah. Don't come and burst my bubble right now. Yeah. It's like, I'll believe that Peter Rat is like genuinely hungry for Peter, okay? <laughs> the best part is that she eventually gets turned over because Alex or PJ, she start, they, they start to introduce this sort of a nugget into or this sort of idea into her brain. And then suddenly she recalls all these little things from, from when she took the, the, the video in the first place about how there was this crazy homeless guy at the start, you know, at the, at the top of the stairs, seeming like he was, he was, he wasn't doing anything, but it looked sort of like he was maybe, I don't know, giving directions or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she was like, oh, maybe these people loitering around are actually actors. You know, maybe they're facilitating the process. And <laughs> you start to see her like kind of like the gears turning in her head. And then, yeah. And I think that's so interesting because um, it really, it really speaks to how we just have this sort of like blindness right to the things mm. around us when we want to like see something that we want to believe in right mm. we're just willingly shutting out all the other information but then you kind of like incorporate it into like the whole narrative and then it changes right yeah so which i think is also kind of sad because after that then they talk to um the pizza rat guy where yeah. They, they told him basically that, oh, you know, Zadulu was responsible for Selfie Rat. So is it possible that she's also responsible for Pizza Rat, right? Because this guy, he's very adamant about how he wasn't paid. You know, he's not an <laughs> actor. Like this really happened to him. And they're like, okay, yeah. So even if that really did happen to you and you're not making this up, could it be that Zadulu was using you as like, like as a pawn in her big screen? And, right and he couldn't even say no he was like yeah i mean i guess it might have happened <laughs> so yeah I mean, I mean that's that's the thing about conspiracy theories right is that you can't 100 percent disprove some crazy theory like, like yeah. even, even about the even regarding like the crazy ones like like 9-11 and stuff like that they, they can't 100 percent disprove 
the conspiracy. That's why it's still it's still rampant these days in the very very small sort of subcultures in the in the internet and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think especially when you've got like this dark sort of um, authority figure, like looming presence <laughs> in the narrative. So I mean, in the case of nine eleven, obviously it's like the government, right? And, mm. Like. Um, in this case, it's Zadulu, and she's kind of like the funny thing is that she actually plays along with that, right? Like she wants you to believe that she's this mystic who is slightly beyond the realm of possibility, yeah. you know. So, um, in the episode, they actually describe how she created a Twitter account to like yes. just she posts all sort of like Jaden Smith level shit. Yes. So like, yeah, oh, like, oh, the world is so um, drab, you know, what, isn't it better to live in the dream? You know, things like that. <laughs> if, if I'm not wrong, because I've, I've listened to the episode a few times now, the, the full quote, right, is, why wake the world from a beautiful dream when the waking world is all so drab? Oh my god! Oof. So beautiful. <laughs> no, I should I should do that in the ASMR voice. <laughs> <laughs> just read, just read Zadulu Zadulu quotes from now oh on. Oh my god! Yeah, why did I choose PM Lee? Damn it! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the exclusive world premiere of a Zadulu ASMR reading, a collaboration by Zadulu. Feet Devel Lee. <laughs> All right. Why wake the world from a beautiful dream? When the waking world is all so drab. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it begs the question, like, is she just like the biggest internet troll out there, right? <laughs> like, is she just doing this to get a reaction from people? I, I think... Yeah. It's possible that, you know, she's really just making fun of other performance artists, right? Like, <laughs> artists take themselves so seriously. Maybe she's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to screw people's minds and try to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit on the internet right. and show them right. that there's nothing wrong with being trolly. Yeah. But I think the other, the other explanation would be that she really... Uh, and this is the one that she puts forth, like in her subsequent interviews with like mm. um, news outlets and other people, where she says, you know, um, she wants people to, yeah, basically experience life with that sense of wonder, right? You know, when <laughs> when there's magic and there's like fantasy around, people tend to take a double take, you know, and look at things um, mm. with, uh, yeah, just that kind of like feeling of you know mysticism where. You know, there's something supernatural out there and we don't quite understand it because real life is so dull, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why kids prefer like fairy tales or like, you know, exciting, fantastical, like Harry Potter kind of stories. So yeah. then when she creates these oddities, then they're exciting and they're memorable. So um, even if I guess people think that they're fake, at least, you know, they're still worth talking about, which I <laughs> yeah. think it's a point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so you're talking about like the two two ways that 
in reality, Zadulu's, uh, what was Zadulu's intentions could actually be, right? And in, in, in a weird way, right, both are plausible, but in Zadulu's own quote, right, I kind of want to go with the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's slightly more charitable, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, I, I, mean, I mean, you know, even though it might be fake, it still doesn't change the fact that she is doing something to create, to, to, to make something of real life. Right, it, it through through a performance art or whatever, and I mean, like we already suspend our belief when we watch TV shows and movies anyway. So you know, why can't we appreciate these uh, performance acts in real life? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I think um, people don't experience life in the same way that they experience entertainment. You know, it's yeah. like when you sit in front of the TV, you you it kind of primes you to yeah observe what's happening and truly appreciate like the interactions that you see mm. like yeah the, the quirky things the weird things the upsetting things even and then like we go we turn our tv off and we go outside and we just like walk and we march like ants you know charging to the, the next destination and we don't stop to think yeah you know maybe there's something interesting happening next to me on the train right like right. and so yeah, I mean, life can also be happening around us, but we just don't really have the time or the, I guess, the cognitive resources to be applying that same kind of like processing in our everyday lives. So it's very nice when you get this sort of like jolt, you know, in reality <laughs> and you're just like, okay, wait, what just happened in real life? And yeah, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So, so has this episode changed your changed your view on the world? Has this put like a tin foil hat on you? Are you like questioning everything that happens nowadays? <laughs> I I think Singaporeans are really good at coming up with conspiracy theories. <laughs> really, not, not the magical sort, just like the <laughs> garment sort. <laughs> so I would say that um, <laughs> when it comes to like tinfoil hats, I think mine's still kept in my cupboard, you know, for a rainier day. But <laughs> but I, I do think that I, I appreciate what people on the internet are doing, like whether or not they're trolls or like people who actually want to change the world. I, I think they're they're all contributing in their little ways and they just make my life a little bit more interesting. And I, I like that. Right, right. When when Singapore comes up with uh, the selfie cockroach, then we'll then we'll see. Oh my god! You know what? <laughs> you and me, we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> you didn't hear like that come from us. Alright, so now that we're done with the first podcast, let's move on to the second one. And this one, it's a little bit more formal. It's from a big, uh, big budget, um, radio station, WNYC Studios. And this podcast is called On the Media. And the episode is in question in, is called Twitch and Shout. So similar to the first podcast, before we get into the episode in particular, what can you tell us about On the Media? So on the media, like you said, it's more conventional. It's um, it's pretty well established. So um, basically, they talk about all sorts of hot topics that are trending or being talked about in the news. 
So the program tries to cover like these issues in a very comprehensive manner. So they'll look at like all angles of an issue, mm. like LGBT rights, for example, or like in the case that we're going to talk about, internet culture and like mm-hmm. specifically live streaming. Mm-hmm. So um, they've got a lot of contributors and correspondents, a lot of very like world class kind of journalism. But it, what's interesting is that unlike the previous um, podcast that I was talking about, mm-hmm. these people are really old. <laughs> <laughs> like they're, they're these like fuddy daddies that are trying to understand what the kids are doing these days. So like you can totally tell they're like, oh, um, what is Overwatch League? Or like what is a patch in a game? You know, like they have oh to explain God. all of these things. So it, know- it's... Uh-huh. You know, no, 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 no. That you talk about it, right? The, I remember there was this one moment um, where I think the lady host, so she has this really motherly kind of voice, right? Yeah. And there was this point whereby she was interviewing. I think it was. I think it was interviewing some some live streamer, and then she she turned to the girlfriend, and she's like, "Oh, hi, hey, dear. So how did you get involved?" <laughs> hi, Neely. I see you sitting right next to him there. Hi. How did you guys meet? He was out streaming one night in downtown Riverside. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess when when you are in the industry for like long enough and then you start interacting with younger and younger people, you get a bit like <laughs> matronly about things. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but I think it's it, you really feel the difference when you listen to on the media versus reply all and yeah. um I think I I chose these two podcasts because um, I appreciate what each of them is doing and how they're so different. So it's Mm. interesting for the specific episodes that I I chose as well because it juxtaposes how um, the younger people and older people try to make sense of internet culture and and Mm. what it means for like the way we try to communicate with each other like these days as opposed to maybe when the hosts of On The Media were younger, you know, in their heyday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also the thing about On The Media, right, which is, which on first listen I was a little bit confused by, was they have multiple segments within the show. So this episode... They're going to be talking about the live streaming platform called Twitch, right? Mm-hmm. But then they also go in to talk about like like many other different aspects as well. And there, there was one there was one point they were talking about Overwatch and esports gaming. They were talking about Facebook's, uh, uh, I think Facebook censorship and stuff like that. So I don't know. Could you could you explain that a little bit? I was a little bit confused by that. So the thing I really like about on the media is that when they talk about um, a particular topic, right? They mm. help you to contextualize the issue Mm. so i mean when there's an issue that rises to prominence within um the wider culture right then they say okay this is an issue that matters but we want you to make sense of it not just from like that one headline that you read right Mm. because it always happens and it affects a lot of these other um spheres in your life that you know obviously you might not have the time to you know go out and read about or like to source for you might not even know that it's affecting um these other things peripherally so what on the media does for you is that they do the legwork and they say okay um 
what is live streaming, which are the areas that are important to people who are listening to this show or like people who are just interested in like big news stories in general and how can we like put it in this little capsule, this one hour, you know, and just to help you make sense and process that. So I really appreciate that because, you know, sometimes I think, yeah, I understand what Twitch is about, right? I've got mm. two brothers, they both use Twitch, you know, like I, I get what that means. But then when they talk about things like, for example, there's a segment where um, they touch on how there are online churches that stream through Twitch, which I never heard of in my entire life. So I think that that like being brought up and talking about how the gaming community can connect on like a spiritual level that was news to me and so yeah like even if you think that you have like a pretty complete understanding of the topic it's always nice to listen and to be proven wrong mm -hmm. certainly to give you like a more fuller picture of like a particular topic right yeah yeah and they always find ways of like angling the issue differently from how the listener might have approached it so yeah all right so then twitch and shout this episode what can you tell us about this so I thought that this episode was really interesting to me because um, live streaming is a big thing right now, right? And mm. I think a lot of people are getting into it, whether it's just, you know, casual friends or, you know, they're actually trying to make money off of it. So I think um, it speaks to how, like, many kinds of um, subcultures have been born on the internet and then some of them take off some of them just disappear into obscurity right so mm -hmm. um for example you know you've got your subreddits that you know there's some that are just you know, really small but there's some that grow to like really enormous numbers and same thing for like tweets right like so you have tweets that just go out and nobody reads them and then you've got tweets that like like hundreds of thousands yeah. even millions of people like retweet right yeah and then now you've got gamers you know people who are in their rooms playing games on their own and suddenly they've invited just like hundreds of thousands of people to sit in that room almost with them and play through that game so i think that was just the point where you're like okay so Gaming is social again, and and Twitch was just this beautiful experiment of how, okay, maybe beautiful is the wrong word, because it can also <laughs> be used for a lot more nefarious purposes, I guess. But, I mean, it was really extraordinary how, you know, by just opening up this window into a gamer's life, suddenly you had what 50 odd million viewers every month going in to watch these streamers just play the games, just talk about their lives and that the audience is willing to actually pay you to do that. And like, it's fascinating to see how this community is just taking shape and, and finding their own rules, their own norms, their own like governance almost. And yeah, and, yeah, and on the media kind of tries to enter that world, but you can see that they're total outsiders and, I mean, I feel like an outsider when I look at the community. So <laughs> I guess I relate to the hosts in that way. And mm. and so, yeah, they slowly try to like edge their way in and try to understand what it means. Mm. Yeah, what a time to be alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say like 10, 20 years ago, people are thinking that, oh, Facebook is so weird. What a time to be alive. <laughs> so, yeah. 
And and I like the uh, when you brought up how the hosts are sort of from the outside looking in, because there were there were moments when they were describing Twitch, they were describing the popularity that that it's been getting, and you can sort of sense from like the the, the narrator, right? they have they still have this mentality of like back you know fifteen twenty years ago, you know why would anyone want to watch people play video games? Why don't you just go and play themselves? Or yeah. even or even yeah. from the from mindset of why are you even wasting time playing video games, right? But then this, you know, tsunami of a live streaming platform called Twitch comes up and you get hundreds of thousands of people watching people play video games. And then they keep I- including these little snippets of like, oh, you know, now this guy is more popular than LeBron James and Cristiano Ronaldo. Or, oh, this gets more views than HBO or something like that. I don't know. It feels a little bit sn- snarky in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it reflects that very antiquated mindset right of the generation Mm. above us that's just like there's no value in Mm. gaming there's no value in esports there's no value in social media so i mean don't get me wrong i still think the hosts do a fantastic job oh yeah yeah, telling the story but yeah i think they kind of wear that on their sleeves right that they are just older and they don't really understand it and they probably never will will Mm. right like they they're just doing their best to communicate on behalf of the people who do understand this medium and who are like, you know, just exploiting mm. it or like take, using it to, to their advantage. Um, or maybe, yeah, or, or, or maybe it's the case that their audience is, you know, maybe in their generation or more of their age gap. And that's why they're doing it this way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think there, I mean, you pander to people who you think like relate to you best. Right. Yeah. So, I guess, I mean, then why are we listening to this? <laughs> I'd like to think we're a little bit younger, you know. But, I mean, it's still, it, it's comprehensive enough that I think it it does cover things that I didn't quite understand as well. Like, um, mm. so I am not a regular Twitch user, right? I've um, seen a couple of streams, but because I don't really game either, I usually mm. don't understand what's going on, but... What I do know is that they have these sections on Twitch. So, so Twitch for the uninitiated, right? Like it basically sorts like videos according to categories. So they've got game categories where you can watch like people playing um, League of Legends or like mm. Overwatch or Fortnite, for example. And mm-hmm. then like you go in and then you can see um, the streams that have the most number of viewers at that particular point in time, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you go in, like usually there's a camera, like a, a oh, like a tiny window. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you see his face, but you also see what's happening on his screen as he's playing. And then mm. there's um, audio of like you know him talking to his teammates, and basically he's also talking to uh, the people in the chat who are watching his stream. Yeah. So it's very interesting because I never actually experienced that. I never sat down to Mm. watch a game happen. And I didn't realize how much communication goes on between um, the player and the audience. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really daunting. Like I personally used Twitch uh, quite a bit last time. And to be honest, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. I mean, from, 
from from a game from the gaming perspective, if you're going in to watch like a pro player or like a really skilled player play, right? <laughs> so you're going in and you're going to be able to learn about different things behind his thought process, why he does certain actions, and you know maybe like the different skills or whatever that 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 he can impart. So that's just one aspect. The other aspect is the community, <laughs> the community aspect, which <laughs> which is his his own thing altogether. It's it's like you said, it's his own subculture and stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. But I'm curious, right? So before you listen to this episode, right? You, you, you mentioned that you have two brothers watching Twitch. What was your sort of impression of the platform? So I just kind of thought it was people who are interested in like the gameplay, right? Mm. So I want to get better at Dota or like Hearthstone. So I watch it and then I see the good players and this is their strategy. So I'm going to emulate that. But then, um, then I realized that uh, the chat was so important and like I didn't quite understand why. So like um, Ethan explained to me that, yeah, you know, like some of these people, they, they're just really, really trolly and <laughs> it's it's almost like sort of like a hive mind, you know, where... A little bit, a little bit, yeah. So everybody just kind of perpetuates, like, like one person can start like sending like a random like, uh, what do they call it? Like an emote, mm, right? Mm. And then suddenly the whole chat is just like firing off the same thing. So, um, wait, did you hear about? Did you ever hear about Pokemon on Twitch? Yes. Oh my god! So that was amazing, right? Yeah. Like, um. So Pokemon on Twitch was basically where um they had a Pokemon game that was played by chat. Yes. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like each person could enter like a single move, right? Yep. And basically, they had to win the game by each taking turns to do a move. So if you like just spam the chat, then you're never going to win because like you're just going to undo each other's actions, right? Exactly. So so how I believe how it worked was that like every few seconds or whatever, they will collect like the the responses that had the most uh most number of uh people people typing it in, and then they will correspond it to the game itself, and then they will ma- actually make the move. Yeah. That is amazing. This is like democracy at its best, okay? <laughs> or, or at its worst, or at its worst. <laughs> well, we completed <laughs> the game, so it just took a, a long time. <laughs> yeah, but it's extraordinary because chat, it, essentially, yeah, it moves like its own animal, right? And because mm-hmm. um, they've got a whole different set of rules there, like I think people end up saying and doing things that are just, not okay in real life right yeah yeah so i think one example that they brought up in the show was that there was this guy um he's like one of the best players of Fortnite. his name is ninja exactly Mm. so he has a policy where he doesn't play games with girls because Mm. he says he doesn't want drama and like people talk a lot of you know trash and gossip on chat so it's like if you play with mm. a girl he, he's apparently married already so if mm. he plays with a girl then people start to say oh you know uh, I thought he's married you know is he hooking up with this girl you know what's going on and the worst part is because you know your life is so public right people mm. know like where you are or like people know where you stay so there are people who would do things like yeah like you know call up your girlfriend or your wife and say hey yeah. you know um, Ninja's playing with this girl right now so 
in the episode, they actually said that, you know, the, these things are perpetuating some of the um, gender discrimination that happens on, like, gaming platforms. Yeah. But, so I talked to Ethan about it after, and he was like, no, you don't, you, that's not the full story at all, because that's just what the mainstream media hears. But, mm. like, on chat, you don't realize how vitriolic and how toxic some of these um participants can be and you know they can really ruin a streamer's life if they chose to so if you're seen talking to a woman and you know in chat people might perceive this as some sort of a a sexualized kind of act and they're gonna act on that and you know it affects you in very profound ways so um they these streamers have to protect themselves as well so i thought that was really like i mean it's terrifying but it was also really interesting because like to me it was just straight out discrimination i i didn't think for a second that because the norms are so different you have Mm. to play by different rules Mm -hmm. i kind of get what you mean there i mean when I first listened to that, that segment, right, when Brooke was talking about the, how Ninja is like basically denying w- women a, a platform on Twitch, I thought it was a little bit stretching it. Mm. I mean, I kind of get what she's talking about, you know, seeing how gaming is such a male dominated kind of field. But, you know, this is, this is just one guy we're talking about here. And I, I, I don't know, man, in some sense, I, I kind of sympathize with, with what he's trying to do because, He's trying to, he's trying to be professional. He's got a good thing going. He doesn't want to mess things up. It's really, in my view, it, what he's doing is, is not really, um, how do I put this? Discriminatory in intent. Yeah. It's more basically he just wants to maintain what he's doing uh, for, for his, for his fans or whatever, because he's, you know, doing so well at it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's precisely that he's doing it for his fans, right? Because mm. who's feeding you? Who's putting like money in your pockets? It's these people who watch your stream. So I think these streamers are very aware of that and they're very careful about like how they present themselves to um the the audience, right? So yeah. Uh, in the episode, they also talk about how, and I love this, the parasocial relationship, because <laughs> um, it's this false sense of intimacy that people get when they watch the streamers, right? And mm. it, it sounds like when you watch, let's say, um, Friends, and you're like, oh my god, like Ross is like my best friend. You know, I can totally <laughs> relate to him on every level. But yeah. he's a TV like character. He's not even real, right? So there's this like one-sided sort of relationship that happens. And I think that happens with a lot of chat as well, where where they put in a lot of their emotional um, um, resources into just following the streamer's life, you know, what's going on with, you know, their relationships or like, yeah, what happened in like their life outside of the game, you know. Mm. And so it spawned this whole new branch of Twitch, which was just IRL, which is the person streaming about their daily lives, you know, with no yeah. relation to the game at all. Yeah. So that that aspect is also kind of interesting because I think it goes much deeper into like this issue of us just being so deprived of like what they call an unfiltered human experience right like Hmm. when you go out and you talk to people there's always this veneer that people are wearing you know they want to make sure that uh, they appear polished or you know they want to present themselves in a certain way and then I think with um, chat and with live streaming you can't do that so much because Hmm you know, people are watching you all the time. So 
um, that builds that false sense of intimacy all the more, right? Mm, yeah. It's kind of daunting when you talk about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to be able to basically bear yourself in front of, uh, I don't know how, how big your audience is, and then uh, for, for them to share in your whatever experiences that you have, it's probably, you know, probably for the viewing experience. I, I, I haven't seen like an IRL stream before, but um, I imagine it to be the complete opposite of, you know, those YouTube vlogs that they do where it's all polished and edited and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I, I think the, the strange thing is that so much of it is dictated by the audience. Oh, so yeah. there was this one guy that was featured in this episode where um, basically he talks about how uh, you're almost like a video game character yeah. and chat just basically controls you. So it's like um, Pokemon on Twitch, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you've got this whole chat and you can just be like, hey guys, what should I wear today? And then you open up your closet and then people are like basically paying you to like pick the red shirt or like pick the green shirt, you know, like, yeah. and you just do the things that will make you money, right? So the chat mm. eggs you on to do certain things. They're like... um. You know the Freudian, like, id, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, just that voice in your head telling you to do dumb shit. And, like, I think sometimes because you, you your success is so dependent on that, right? Like, you need to, you need to make money, right? And mm. these people are doing that for you. So, you kind of just give in and then you lose your sense of, like, self-determination and that's a very <laughs> scary thing so yeah um this this guy who was sharing about that his his handle i think is vp gloves so mm. he started out streaming as a homeless person mm -hmm. and so chat basically funded him all the way to getting his own place getting a girlfriend you know and like just getting enough money to be comfortable right and yeah. so he said this one thing that I think was really terrible, but, but it also reflects um, the nature of like interactions on Twitch, which is he said that once he got along too well with his girlfriend, then mm -hmm. people started trying to break them up. Yes. Yeah. Which, which, speaks, which speaks to the uh, vitriolic nature of chat that you were talking about earlier. Right? Yes. Because it's like, no, you can't be too happy. There's no more drama. We need some, <laughs> some terrible stuff to go down, you know? Like, yeah. These these uh chat needs some Zadulu in their lives, right? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you know, Zadulu should just be on like no, she shouldn't be on chat. She should be like the person who is like creating all of these random homeless guys who start streaming. <laughs> so that would be VP Glove is actually an actor paid by Zadulu. <laughs> oh my god. This is some Twitchception right now. <laughs> That's how she's taking in the Twitch donations. That's how she's funding a red operation. <laughs> oh my god! You know, if if she was behind VP gloves and his girlfriend, then I wouldn't feel so bad about the entire like situation. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, it seems like it worked out for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, he did come out a little bit better, right? I mean, he did get some funds to put him. Put him by, put him in a room, get him some food, you know, and he, he, through chat, he managed to find a girlfriend. So it's not all that bad. It's just that losing that, 
like you said, losing that self-determination, determination, that part is a bit scary, you know? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So I, I think, I mean, it's an opportunity, but at what cost, right? It's like, it mm. reminds me of those K-pop stars, you know, how mm. like they have these companies that just train kids up from like a really young age and you just give up everything just yeah. so you can like be a K-pop star eventually. And yeah, it's the same thing, right? Like for these guys, they give up all of their autonomy just to be, I guess, Twitch famous. Yeah. Yeah. Beggars can be choosers and people do desperate things when they're hungry. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, else to add for the, for on the media or Twitch and shout? Um, I guess. It, I would just probably say that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and the media was late to the game, I think, talking about <laughs> this, because Twitch has been around, but I think it gives a very holistic kind of view. And, um, just really, uh, the two podcasts that I talked about were just, you know, discussing how viral content is, you know, proliferated yeah. and, you know, memes are reproduced. And, um, yeah, just, it, it's important to us, I think, as content producers as well, because you are constantly trying to figure out like how people are consuming like multimedia mm. and other kinds of like content and giving that kind of instantaneous feedback. So you start to question what your relationship with your readers, your listeners, your viewers mm. are and, you know, whether or not there is necessarily a line between yeah, your persona as for example a podcast host and like who you are in real life yeah so, yeah yeah and with that brings the end to today's episode thanks again Devel for coming on thank you again for having me it was really fun <laughs> yeah it was really great having you on so for those of uh, those people who are listening who are interested where can people find you or your podcast so um, my podcast, again, is called Some Scuffs. You can find me at um, somescuffs.com. That's S-O-M-E-S-C-U-F-F-S. Because a lot of people add an R for some reason, like <laughs> scruffs, <laughs> which is quite cute as well. <laughs> right, right, Yeah, right. and I'm also on Apple Podcasts and any other podcast apps. So, yeah. All right. And so if you like this episode, please do a big favor by sharing it amongst your friends or by subscribing to the Economical Rise podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. All the links and details to the shows discussed in this episode will be available in the show notes on the website www.economicalrisepodcast.com. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback for the show, you can drop a message in the social media links below. Once again, this has been your host, Danny, with special guest Avell at the Podcast Spotlight, the show by podcast fans for podcast fans. <laughs>